You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Folks, welcome to the program. I'm incredibly excited for today's episode. As many of you have probably been annoyed, I've been talking about jujitsu a lot on this show. We've been talking about it a bit on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, I've just had so much fun. I've been losing weight. I've been, you know, meeting new people, which is awesome. It's helped me gain a, a small part of myself back that I, I felt was lost for a while. And um, now I've regained it, and I'm learning so much, and I feel like a better version of myself each time I go to class. Today, I want to go ahead and bring on somebody who's actually been teaching folks jiu-jitsu for quite a while. His name is Joshua Janis. He's a 16-year black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, an avid Wim Hof method practitioner, and I mean, he's taught jiu-jitsu all over the world. Um, he's even done instructional videos such as the Guillotine Glossary Volume 1 and 2 for BJJ Fanatics. He's an incredibly interesting guy. He's got such a wealth of knowledge, and he's local to the Milwaukee area like myself. I enjoyed this so much, I went ahead and signed up for his Fire and Water Camp. It's a two-day weekend camp where you will develop your mind and body through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu seminars and Wim Hof Method-style breathing and cold exposure. I'm doing this on the weekend of my 27th birthday in a couple of weeks, and I am so excited. So sit back, relax, and let's move on with the show. Josh, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um... As many of my listeners have probably been annoyed with me recently, ever since I started doing jujitsu at the end of the summer, uh, it's it's been one of those things I quickly got addicted to. And for me, you know, it wasn't just one of those things where it's like I wanted to learn some self-defense. I wanted to lose some weight and stuff like that. Uh, I moved here in May and I immediately needed something outside of work because what I realized was all my hobbies, everything was linked to either making money or professional development. Everything felt like work and everything felt like it had to be displayed for everyone to kind of critique and stuff like that. So doing jujitsu so far it's been one of these things where it's just something for myself. I, I've met so many amazing people. I've made a lot of friends so far. It, it brings a lot of happiness to my day-to-day life. But it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, a few years ago, I had 
I thought I wanted to do it. Then the pandemic happened and all the local schools where I was living in Virginia kind of shut down for a bit. So I, I made a promise to myself that when life gets back to a degree of normalcy, if I have the means, if I have the time, I'm going to prioritize, you know, my own health, my own well-being, and I'm going to take a jump into this. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm a no-stripe white belt, but I love going and getting my butt kicked, and I've tapped out more times than I ever thought I would, and, you know, I, I get better each time. And that's just the thing that I wish I wish more people would, would enjoy. It's the journey of going through the suck and seeing the gentle progression that has gone. And you've been doing this. I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. You've been doing this for 16-plus years. You're a Brazilian yeah. jiu-jitsu black belt. You're a coach. You work on, you know, building communities, building a good environment for people, regardless of where they are in their life, to come and learn jiu-jitsu. Let's kind of get into your origin story. How, how did you get into this specifically? Uh, well, let's see here. Uh, my origin story starts back in 2000 when I was a freshman in college, and a guy on my floor decided to uh, his, one of his best friends was a fighter and like MMA fighters back in 2000 were not as plentiful as they are now. It was just a different thing. I mean, it's crazy how this sport has evolved in the last call it. Well, since 1993, really since the, the, the UFC, I mean, that's really what kicked it off anyway, decided to, uh, to give it a shot. And, uh, it was in the side of Dave for any, like really old MMA guys. There's a guy named Dave Strasser in Kenosha and it was in the side of his house. So there was some mat in the side of his house. When you, when you got off the mat and you wanted to get a drink, you walked into his kitchen, you know, to fill up a glass of water. Uh, so I did that for about seven months and uh, I would go back every once in a blue moon. But for the most part, after that seven months, I, I just, I was a college kid and I just took this long ass break for no real reason. Uh, and then I transferred to UWM and at UWM, they had some, uh, you could take Brazilian jiu-jitsu for credits, which what? is. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, can I swear on this? Oh, absolutely. All right. All right. Okay. So that was fucking awesome. And so in 2004, uh, I ended up training at a place called Henry Montemoros. And if you're from the Milwaukee area, you absolutely know Henry's. He's the godfather of. Brazilian jiu-jitsu in this area. He was the only Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt uh, in Milwaukee at the time, in Wisconsin at the time. He's a transplant from Costa Rica, always super high and always like, yeah, man, really funny. Uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. If Henry would listen to this, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's that's me. Sounds accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so trained there for a year and a half, went through you know a mild injury, with my knee and then uh at at henry's i had met a guy named john friedland and john had just come back from japan and was a brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt so i don't even know that there was any other brown belts i think it was henry and then john and uh john was just killing people man and he had like this dyed blonde hair he looked like a, a maniac i was scared to death of him you said that you were scared when you were talking off air you know kind of intimidated by ryan Oh yeah. That's I mean, right. just these guys that look like, and, and it's so funny too, because the guys who look like just natural born killers at the gym, they're the nicest people. But like yeah. when you roll with them for the first time, like, you know, my ass cheeks tightened. It was yeah. not a fun experience. Ask Ryan about John Friedland in 2004. 
<laughs> it's it's a he's a he's a crazy character. So he ended up opening his own gym called Nutra Ground. I think he opened up in 2007, uh, and I was there uh, pretty much from 2007. I'm still there. I've been teaching there for about 10 years, uh, as you said, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And uh, like you also alluded to, used a, a term that's interesting. You said addicted. And we, uh, in our culture, we have a, a negative association with addiction. But addiction can be a good thing as well if you can put that addiction on something that you were passionate about. Yeah, I, I find, like, I, I I have kind of a a liberal relationship with that term because people, like you said, they, you know, they, they hear that and they think it's automatically a negative connotation. I know for me, just just personally, like, I've got an addictive personality, and sometimes that leads to some negative things. Sometimes that leads to some positive things. Like if somebody is addicted to fitness, obviously that's fine. If they go to the part where, you know, they, they start juicing and doing unhealthy things, obviously that's gone too far. But, you know, it's it's almost one of those things where I think I think Americans largely have lost touch with hobbies and following passions that aren't immediately tied to making money. I think a lot of people, especially a lot of middle-aged people that I work with, they tend to feel guilty when they take time to do something that's not immediately work-related. Yeah. And what I have found about a lot of the people that go to crossover with me, I mean, we've got people from all across, all across town, every walk of life. They, they come here, and I haven't really met anyone that's quit. Now, the people do quit. That happens. But usually they quit after a class or two. But the people that end up coming, like they go three, four days a week. Before I before I injured my ankle and then caught the flu, which apparently the flu still exists. I was surprised when <laughs> the doctor told me that. Um, you know, I was going, um, you know, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and I was probably doing like a, a private class on Saturday. So, I mean, it just got to the point where it's like all I want to do, everything was focused around this. So while I definitely know that I've become the annoying person talking about it all the time amongst my friends and my colleagues, um, like I, I don't feel bad about it. Can I, can I warn you about something? Please. Uh, so uh, this is both in my career and in jujitsu. The brightest flames tend to flicker out quickly. And what I would what I would make sure that you do is that you're not uh, you're not going so hard at it for six months. And I've seen this happen many times. You're not going so hard at it for six months. Then you get to a level of competency, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm beating the rest of the white belts, you know, whatever. And I don't feel like, you know, I'm losing to this person. Losing. Like we can talk about that too. But, you know, I, I'm not rolling well against this person. Uh, I, I feel like I've hit a plateau. And then you just stop. And then you're on to the next thing that's really hot. And I'm not saying that's your personality, but I think for your listeners, it's important to understand that that is a real challenge that some people face. Yeah. And it, it is one of those things that I have kind of worried about because that, that has happened in the past. I, it, it primarily happened like before college. So definitely like before I went to high school, I graduated from college in 2017. And, you know, for, for the longest time, I, I suppressed a lot of the things that I wanted to do because I was so focused on work. So, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me now has just been get, get into a routine and, and just, you know, set small goals for myself. I mean, the biggest thing for me was losing weight because when I got out of the, the military and everything, like the first thing that happened was my pant size went up. And so far since, since I started training, I'm down 10 pounds as of today. 
So it, that Ooh. it's, it's, it's kind of doing that because like, I've got that ego in the back of my head that wants to compare myself to other people. Yeah. And then I try and split that aside and I'm like, let me think that person has been here longer. That person is in better shape than me. We're not all created equal in that sense. Some people are more equal than others when it comes to that. That's just a fact. What are the things I can do to kind of deal with that? And I mean, the biggest thing for me, you know, I, I moved here in May. Uh, I, I didn't tell, I didn't tell my, my family I was doing this until probably my third month because my biggest fear was that I was going to do this. I was going to start putting time and I was going to start, you know, buying uniforms and stuff like that. And immediately I was going to quit. So it wasn't until I got to the point where it's like shed some of that ego at the beginning, allow yourself just to enjoy the process and take your time with it. That's when I felt more confident in, in everything. And I mean, I I still, I, I have only of all the, of all the people I've rolled with so far, I've only submitted one person. I yeah. think it's because I caught him on a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, it's, it, it, it's an outlet that I know that if I definitely were to quit or something, it would bother me. I mean, just the past two weeks, you and I had actually emailed each other a few weeks ago. Um, and, and one of your friends, Rick, who, who's a blue belt at uh, neutral ground, like, um, you know, like I did not want to miss class because of a rolled ankle but I'm also at a point in my life where I don't heal as fast where my injuries are, are more so now. So when that happened and then I caught the flu and I had to miss an extra week, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to forget everything. Everything's going to suck. Are people going to wonder if I quit or something. And I went back today and I did two classes back to back and yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I had to sit out a lot, but you know, it, it was, it was, I would rather be there and be part of it than, than not. I, I think that's a, a really a great thought. And, you know, obviously if you're sick, stay home because you can spread that. But yeah. if you rolled your ankle or you, you, you tweaked your shoulder or whatever the case may be, I would still try to stay in the habit of going. So like you can sit on the sideline, you can watch, you know, the technique you can watch. I learned a ton watching people rolling, no matter what the level is, you know, but to stay in that habit of going, I think is really powerful to make sure that we continuously build, uh, the life that we want with jujitsu in it. The second, the second thing that you said that was really powerful is you have that ego in the back of your head, right? And I think that the dissolution of the ego through Brazilian jujitsu is probably, I don't like to use uh, like the best or, or uh, you know, different alliteration, but it, it's one of the biggest lessons that you can learn in Brazilian jujitsu. It's that, you are not the best at something. And you get constantly reminded of that over and over and over and over against people that you would look out on the street and you'd be like, oh, I'm big. I'm telling you, it just doesn't happen, right? My girlfriend's a purple belt and it's just an absolute murderer. You know, she's 125 pounds and just, uh, you know, crazy. And, uh, you know, that disillusion of ego not only helps you on the mats because if you don't have that, if you can't have your ego set aside, you're not going to make it on the mats, period. I mean, it won't, it won't allow you to. But then again, in life, right? Like if you constantly have an ego, you're not listening to other people. You're not taking in information. And that's what you want to be doing. You want to be taking in information and then with that information, making the best decisions as possible. So this particular lesson that, that you just brought up is 
my favorite one from jujitsu. I'll, I'll put it that way. My, my very first class, it was not even like 10 minutes in. We started rolling and I had no clue what I was doing. Like most people. And I was scared yeah. shitless. And the person I was paired with was another white belt who had only been there like three months. I'm, I'm six foot. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Husky guy. And this, this woman I was going up against was probably six years younger than me, five, six, five, five, and maybe, you know, 170, 180 within that range. And here I am thinking, Oh, I know I'm not going to beat anyone tonight, but I can at least not get my ass kicked. She had me on the ground face down within like five seconds. (laughs) I have not been that embarrassed in a long time. And and the first thought going through my head was like, everyone watched me. I look like a moron. What am I doing here? And I realized like, I can allow this to happen again, or I could sit down, like pause it for a second and at least ask her how she did that. And she was a great sport and she's been great since. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I immediately realized that, I'm I'm at this point in my life where it's it's another resetting point. And that and that's the one thing I've been talking about with some of my friends who have always been like, oh, you know, I, I heard you're doing it. You know, I've thought about doing jujitsu and stuff like that. I think for a lot of adult men primarily, we're afraid of starting from zero in something we have no familiarity with, whether it's professionally or personally. You know, I, I've done a lot of awesome things in my life. I've done a lot of awesome things where I have credibility in certain industries where I've met a certain level of achievement. And then as soon as I got on the mats, none of that mattered. <laughs> yeah, None yeah. of that mattered. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that. And, and that's the thing that, you know, as I, as I listen to some of my friends who are like, oh, you know, maybe one day I'll do it. Maybe I'll get in better shape and do it. It's like the only way to start doing it is just to do it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, I'm going to do it when I get in better shape. And then you never see them. Just like you're saying, I'm going to reiterate what you're saying. Just do it. Best slogan ever, right? Like just get out there and try it. And, and maybe you hate it. That's okay. Right. But at least you can say that you tried it. You can be proud of yourself that you stepped up and you did something that you were fearful of because I'm going to go ahead and guess that you and I have similar backgrounds in that the first time, the second time, the third time, the 10th time that you step on the mat, you're still scared. <laughs> it, it never, it never leaves. And I kept telling myself like it was going to become easier. And to a degree, I think I just know how to identify it. And it's like, okay, like I'm nervous right now. Why am I nervous? Does he have me in a bad position? Did I mess up on something? I, I'm more willing to accept that I'm afraid than to say, no, I just gotta, just gotta get on top. Just gotta muscle him through. Like it's still there and I don't think it's going away anytime soon because it's already been several months and I still feel as afraid sometimes. I just feel more confident in dealing with that when that happens. Years. It took me years, probably, honestly, probably 10 years in before I started going to class and didn't have that. That's even just a, just a little bit, like just a little nervous, you know, like, I mean, now, it, now if I go to like, you know, uh, a, a different gym like people people like to test themselves on black belts right and like you know if i'm traveling and i drank the night before and i don't feel like rolling i know that i'm gonna people are gonna try to smash me <laughs> like i still get nervous there's no reason for me to get nervous but i still do every once in a while you know but it probably took me 10 years and maybe that's my stubbornness and my ego and, and you know my challenges that i had with that because 
you know, I, I don't think there's any real reason to. I mean, there's no reason to think that I should be good at it in the beginning. You think that's something with combat sports just in general? Like, it's not natural for people to allow somebody else to willingly come and hit them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the people who progress the fastest have the least ego. So I, I don't know if I would generalize and say, you know, is it, is it combat sports or, you know, for me, I just, for whatever reason, I was supposed to be good at everything I did exactly like you're saying. And, and I think we, uh, we are alike in that, but there are people out there that can take it and just be like, Oh, cool. Like I just got unbarred. What the, what was that? I can't wait to try it again. You know, and those people in my experience, progress because they don't put blinders on they're not trying to hold they're not trying to uh to not have inspire this movement where they could get caught they're trying to inspire as much movement as possible so they can take in as much information to become the best that they can be and make the best decisions what do you think are the qualities that make somebody a good student um yeah so i guess from a principle standpoint like I said earlier, it's the people can take in the most information. We, we like, we put blinders on to certain things because we, we think we know we have an ego about something. Uh, it, it didn't work when we did something else. We, we just, and this isn't even just jujitsu. This is just life, right? We just put these blinders on because we know better, know better, right? Air quotes. Uh, but the people that are a really good student are the people that take in everything. And it's not saying like the way that I do things is going to be perfect for the way that you do things, but you're sifting through it as good information. And then, you know, whatever sticks for you, that's for you, right? Like you didn't just dismiss that information. You took it in and sifted through it and, and we're open to it. And I think that's what makes... To me, that's what makes the best. There, there are a lot of uh, wrestlers at crossover, and um, I, I think they're some of the best um, jujitsu practitioners there because they already have a lot of that fundamentals. They already have a lot of that, you know, that physique, that athleticism built in, so they have an edge. But what I've noticed is, like, you know, for a lot of them, like they're just really good students. Like they're willing to do something different, even if they know they could succeed in another way. They're still willing to to go through the process. Yeah. What what I've also noticed is that there's a flip side to that. I've seen a lot of people that come in from you know from from certain striking sports, whether it's karate, boxing, taekwondo, and, and those are the people that have the hardest time because they don't want to admit to themselves that this is different. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it like some other people where it's like it's wrong. Like I come from a Taekwondo background in the army. When you did basic combatives, it was all striking based. There was a little bit of jujitsu in there, but it, I, I couldn't identify it at the time. Yeah, but, right. but you know, it's like those guys that come into it and are still, they, they know they have an edge, but they put it aside to learn and work through the process. Um, th those are the guys that are just excelling. And I also think they make some of the best teachers there when you're rolling with them. Um, yeah. What do you think makes jujitsu fundamentally different in terms of the culture compared to other martial arts. Because like I, like I mentioned, um, I, I can't, I come from an active army family. So I moved around a lot. I started from Taekwondo from white belt to brown belt twice. And I competed in tournaments and that was my entire base. 
But looking back at it now, what I, I don't regret it. It was great for me as a kid, built confidence. I learned a lot. It was great. But there was something about the, the rate of which some people excelled where I, I feel like some of that was put put at the wayside for just for the sake of advancement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to quickly touch on Taekwondo, I also did Taekwondo as a kid. Uh, my girlfriend was a third degree black belt Taekwondo. It is great for structure. I suggest like when, when parents come to me and say, well, what, what should I put my kids in? If your kids are young, you know, put them in Taekwondo. They're more structured than almost every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu kids program that I've seen. There are some good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but for the most part, they've just been doing it for a long time and it's great for kids. Uh, that being said, there's a practicality. Uh, if you want real self-defense, Taekwondo isn't, it's just not as useful as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It, it goes out the door. Like it goes out the door after like five seconds. And it's also, oh, as soon as, that, as, soon as somebody gets your hand on Yeah. If you don't knock them out in one punch or keep your distance, which obviously look, there's, I'm not totally shitting on it. There are absolutely great ideas and things that come from every martial art. It's just, you know, <laughs> when you get your hands on somebody, which is going to happen most of the time, uh, then you need to know how to grapple. Some sort of wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, judo, whatever. Like you, you need to know what to do if somebody has their hands on, whether you're standing or on the ground. I mean, because you're just not... Almost everybody out there isn't a one punch, you know, one punch man, right? Yeah. Like that's just not going to happen. So if it, from a self-defense aspect, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is, or grappling in general is a must. The reason that Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think, I think we're still at the spear or the, the tip of the spear as far as popularity is because you can do Brazilian jiu-jitsu until your seventies, eighties, right? Like, you can do it in a way where you can go relatively hard and you can say uncle, right? Like you can tap out. And like in judo, when you get an Epon, you get taught like, like you know from today, right? <laughs> that takes that takes a real big toll on you, right? When you get thrown, that takes a big toll. In wrestling, it's especially American wrestling, it's so explosive that that also takes a pretty big toll on you. You know, and so like the cool part about jiu-jitsu is the better you get, the lazier you can get. And you can still defend yourself intelligently against more athletic and stronger people. I mean, that's the whole philosophy behind it. This idea that a smaller, weaker opponent can take on somebody that's bigger and more physically dominant than they are and get yeah. out of there. Yeah. So that's what to me, that's what separates the ability to, to trade and its usefulness is, I mean, it's hard to argue, right? Like that's why the Gracie's had the Gracie challenges, you know, they, they knew enough striking to not get knocked out until they got their hands on it. And then once they got their hands on it, nobody else knew what to do. Nobody else knew how to, to leverage their opponent in the same way. And so, you know, what, what was it like for you when you went from Taekwondo to jujitsu i mean was it kind of hard to kind of shed that past knowledge or did you try and see how you could make it work no uh so as i mentioned my first school it was it was an mma school 
where we had jujitsu, but the jujitsu that I was learning in 2000 is so far removed from the jujitsu that we practice now. Um, I mean, it, it was like really basic, like uh, a, a good blue belt would probably beat anybody in the room at that point. A good blue belt now. Um, so I did full MMA at that point. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, <laughs> I tell this, this story quite a bit uh, at work. But I remember a specific lesson that I learned at that school. So we were doing boxing training and uh, I was going against a guy who was at my, you know, I was 17 when I had my freshman year of college. And uh, I remember this guy being an older guy. He's probably my age now, right? He's probably like 35 or 40, but I'm like, oh, this fucking guy's old, right? When you're 17, 40 is old. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to, to smash this guy and i just couldn't hit him couldn't hit him and then he he clocked me pretty good and like spun me around okay and i got pissed i was like fuck this guy right and so what i do i come come through and i just rah, throw the the biggest haymaker like i was pissed i'm gonna go ahead and let you guess the rest of the story the fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> exactly that Fucking guy saw it coming, probably had a cigarette before he moved, you know, just stepped aside and goes, Pop! and I mean, dropped me to a knee. And I remember immediately thinking, man, I, I can't fight with anger. I can't, that, that, I, that just can't be a part of my game. Like if I get angry, this is what happens. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember what the, oh yeah, the, the transition. So like, even the stand-up, like, I don't know. It's just a different sport. Taekwondo, that wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't have that feeling of, of mixed martial arts, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's one reason, like, I, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty boring individual. I'm not going out and getting into street fights or anything like that. I, you know, I'm a peaceful person. I, I'm, I'm adverse to that really. But, you know, for, for me, when I wanted to get back into martial arts, the, the biggest thing I had to understand was that uh, some some stuff had happened in my life. And to kind of give you the Cliff Notes version, I'd been in a car accident. I had received a couple of concussions. So I've got a history of concussions, and I've also had neck surgery. So immediately I realized I'm probably not going to get into boxing. But I still realized that, you know, in, in a situation where I get into a – a, a, an altercation of somebody that I don't know where it's going to go violent. I, I need to be able to quickly, not only, you know, take this guy down, but also make sure I'm not going to just completely accidentally, like, you know, ca cause some severe damage to him or cause some severe damage to myself. Right. I mean, that that's the one thing that I've definitely seen through jujitsu. I mean, um, I think it was, um, Euler Gracie was was doing a breakdown of this video that somebody posted online about a month ago or so. And it was of this cop who was struggling to take out, to take down this, this guy he was arresting. And the dude was about to get out of him. The cop didn't know what he was doing. Suddenly, a Gracie student from another school ran out of his car and quickly put this guy in a freaking spider guard. It was crazy. And it allowed the, it, allowed, it, was, it was freaky. And it allowed the cop time to put handcuffs on him. And, you know, the, during during the video, he's talking to the guy who went out and helped the cop. And he's like, you know, I, I, I see that and people see that. And they think, oh, you're helping the cop take down this guy. I see you almost as helping the guy from getting shot by the cop or something. 
Because when we look at escalation of force, yeah. it's like, you know, we could beat somebody literally to a pulp. We could probably do that. And in some cases, maybe it's justified. But for the most part, we, we live in an environment where it's like when you get into that situation, you've only got two options. Get out of it or end it fast with as little violence as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a street fight guy as well. <laughs> Uh, so my, my previous career before I got into developing company culture was uh, I owned a bunch of bar restaurants. And it turns out when you add copious amounts of alcohol into a situation, some people get a little rowdy. You don't say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so while I have been in very few instances personally where, you know, it was me and somebody else and we, you know, there, there was no other alternative but to come to fisticuffs. Uh, in my previous career, I had to get in the middle and essentially be in a, quite a few uh, fights. And I can't tell you how useful Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has been in those situations. So That's wild. It works. It works. Even in the streets. I mean, there's no such thing as superpowers in the world. But if there was one superpower, it would have to be jujitsu. And I don't say that, you know, hyperbolically. Like the fact that I have seen incredibly small people completely dominate dudes twice their size, twice their height. Like it's it's phenomenal. And, and oh, yeah. it's it's this great equalizer. Uh, you, you mentioned you, you mentioned company cultures, and I, I want to get into kind of like what you do now. So what you do now is you help schools basically develop a good culture that makes people not only want to join them, but also stay and continue. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. How did you get into that? You, what you know what's funny in? about? Yeah. So uh, you're on my jujitsu site. That's not even my career. That's like my hobby career. Oh. Uh, yeah. And what's really odd is exactly what you just said. I mean, like almost to a T is the new product that I'm coming out with. Oh, let's so, talk about it. Yeah. I'm a mind so, reader, man. It's not even it's not even out yet, but yeah, it's essentially that. So, like, coaching from uh, not I, I don't need to show uh, how to do a guillotine to everybody, right? Like, they can they can have their own tips and tricks, but how you deliver the information, how you deliver it uh, to you know understanding your crowd, to uh, how you're communicating the principles versus methods, how you are. Uh, handling new people, what you can do to develop the culture of your dojo so people stay, as you said. Um, the, I mean, the little things really matter. How to actively listen. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on about things that make the difference. Like, if your instructor cares about you, you feel that, right? That's not a logical thing. You feel it in your heart. Like, yeah, okay, this person really cares about you. You can't describe it. You just know. Yeah, just like love. Right. Like you can you can try to describe love, but it's going to be analogy. Right. Like it's a feeling. And that feeling of caring is something that can be taught. And, it, and it's difficult for individuals, especially hard individuals, you know, and most schools are owned by males. And most of these males are fighters of some caliber, whether it be just jujitsu fighters or perhaps MMA fighters or, you know, whatever. Uh this empathy and active listening uh, to get that feeling can be taught. And that's, uh, that's the new product. And what I do 
for my career is I work with, normally it's with HR. Um, I come in with the company, it could be with the CEO or the owner. And I work with leadership teams uh, to make sure that everybody's communicating in the same way to the same purpose. Or I can come in as kind of a fixer if like, uh, let's say a VP of sales is nobody likes somebody's great at his job. Like, what do you do then? Like, how do you, how do you, so you're the Gordon Ramsay of company environments? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although I would have serious questions about how he develops his environment. <laughs> uh, yeah, but essentially, yeah. Uh, so it, it all ties together. I'm always coaching in some way, right? And the reason that I do that is I have a personal mission statement. And that personal mission statement is to acquire wisdom and to share that wisdom with others. And so everything I do is to that end. Do you feel that for, for martial arts schools, like they deal with that more often than just regular private businesses? Because I mean, when you're, when you're in an environment where you're trusting somebody to teach you how to hit and get hit, there's something about it that's different than just like other sports and other activities, because I, I can definitely say, and it's, it's ironic. I'm wearing a Cobra Kai t-shirt of all days. I just grabbed it when I got back from class, but like, you know, like the, the last Taekwondo school, the reason why I didn't get my Taekwondo black belt was because, and man, it's been like 13, 14 years. And I'm now saying it, I was terrified of my instructor. Like he was legitimately like he, he, he was a sweep the leg type of guy. Like he, he would, he, he boasted that most of his students wouldn't keep coming to class by the end of the year. And he had his a team of people that um, he, he treated differently. And I mean, the number of like dirty tricks and practices he did to kind of gaslight people into sticking around or into doing certain things in like a competition environment and stuff like that. Like just like it, it, it broke every ethical boundary possible. And what was really heartbreaking was that my younger brother is a Taekwondo black belt and he went through that guy's crucible. And like, it was, it was freaking tough. I've seen a lot of Taekwondo black belt tests where I look at this and I'm like, that was a joke. But the one that my brother went through with our instructor was incredibly difficult. And what was really kind of sad was that my brother stopped at that point. Now, a lot of people stop once they get their black belt. They call it play Kwondo. You get through all the levels, you beat the game, and then there's nothing else to do. He right. wanted to keep competing. He wanted to do it. He really loved it. His problem was like, I can't go the length that this guy wants his other black belts to go. And he stopped. Yeah. And that, so you, that, that's you the heartbreaking thing. You literally lived out Cobra Kai. Yeah, it just wasn't as fun, though. I thought it would be, you know, like, if you're going to learn how to be a badass, you might as well feel better. But we yeah. were feeling worse as a result. And the people, like, what, like what, like what stopped it for me was that uh, I, I quit. I, I showed up, and I had, like, three stripes on my brown belt. And after two classes, he said, I didn't give you those stripes, but you can keep your belt. So he took all the stripes off in front of everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. He has the right to do that. But... It was in public. It was done in a very like this is your fault type of way, and uh, I mean that 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 brought me down a notch. But then what happened a few weeks later was I was sparring with one of his black belts, and you know I, I love sparring. I don't know why, and, and this is my criticism of Taekwondo. But you have a lot of people who are able to progress in Taekwondo without getting sp enough sparring time. In the only time they spar is when they have to take a test, and it's all for points. And, and right. I, I have an issue of that, but like, I love sparring on Fridays and I was sparring 
and I ended a match with a black belt who was about three years older than me. I beat him. And then as I was walking away, he grabbed me by the shoulder and clocked me in the face and my face shield caved in. And like, I was freaking out, like it screwed up my nose. And I was just like all the adults I'm looking around I'm like, is, is anyone going to do shit about this? Like I was 14. And I'm yeah. like, this is, this is wrong in every single way. I didn't want to fight him. I was more like, why there has to be a reason why it can't just be yeah. because you lost. No, no functional human being is like that. And I stopped going. I probably would have been a black belt within a year if I had I mean, stayed. That is, that is fucking wild, man. Like that is, uh, that is literally from a movie. It I was mean, like, it, it was like one of those things where I'm like, this is, this is just not worth it. I had yeah. just moved to a new school. I thought, you know, I'm continuing with Taekwondo. These people are going to be my friends, but I'm scared shitless because my instructor's letting this shit happen. And as soon as my brother grabs his black belt, he's like, peace people. I'm out. Yeah. This is this is too wild for me. That's that's crazy. And what's weird is like when I started when I started at crossover a few months ago, like part of me wanted to see if that school still existed back home yeah. in Virginia, and it does. But you know what you see is a completely different caliber of people. You know, I think with Taekwondo, the the like the base of it is all like kids programs and stuff like that. But like now it's primarily you know uh, older teenagers and adults, and it's primarily competition focused. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you get the people you want if that's your intention, but what you want is going to have consequences on your school. And the first thing I saw was that the class size was down because yeah. when, you, when you tick off the parents and the kids, you don't be surprised when they stop coming. So, you know, I, for my work, I don't try to judge the culture that an individual wants to build. Right. So like if you want a business and you want to, you know, for lack of a better term, be a slave driver and make your employees work 16 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and well, you compensate them well, so that's how it should be. And, and that's your, how, you know, that's what I did growing up. Okay. I try not to judge that. Right. What I do try to create in these cultures is congruence. So if that I'm is stupid, what, what do you mean by that? If that is, so let's take that example where it's, you know, it's, which wouldn't fly obviously in America, but let's say it was, you know, you're working 80 hours a week or whatever the case may be. Well, be congruent. That is what is going to happen. Don't hire somebody and say, you know, this is a 40 hour a week job and uh, you get, you know, unlimited PTO, right? Like say, Hey, right. When you hire somebody, you say, this is 80 hours a week. We kick ass. Our goal is to build this business up in the next three years and sell it. You're going to have a piece of that sale. Do you want it? Okay. Well, that's a congruent communication, right? Exactly what you're saying is what it's going to be. What a lot of employers tend to do is they'll say, you know, well, this is, they try to sell a job thinking that this is what people want. And then they work them to the pole or it's not their communication isn't congruent with what's actually happening. And when that happens, that's when things start to blow up and that's when stress happens in the, in the work environment. So, uh, you know, what I would say to this guy, well, one is try jujitsu. <laughs> uh, two would be, you know, hey, if that if that is what it is, you know, make it known and say, hey, you know, we're we're a competition based taekwondo, and I could be a dickhead, but it's because I care or whatever. What maybe maybe he just hurts inside. He's just a complete asshole because his dad 
you know, I, I think that was totally part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's you know that's him being uh, shitty with himself. Like he's he's got problems, right? If that's the case. Yeah, I mean, people like that, like they 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 push they push the stereotype. I feel that when you look at martial arts instructors of any discipline, they fall into three camps. And, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the McDojo guy who is a scammer. And I, I think for the most part across all disciplines, a lot of that has been kind of taken care of over the years since the internet allows you to shame people publicly. Then you've got the dude who is like that, you know, we're, we're going to teach you how to kill and it's going to be a crazy like metal environment. And then you have the, the person who's legitimately good at what they do and they care about their students. And it's about creating, you know, good habits for people to defend themselves and keep coming back and excel. Yeah. Yeah, I I do want to, and, and honestly, they all have their purpose. Like even the McDojo, uh, to me, if you bring, if they have a, a structure for, let's say, six to nine-year-olds, and, you know, will this stuff ever help them in a self-defense environment uh, later on in life? No, probably not. But will it help them uh, develop themselves and some confidence and discipline and all these other things? Well, yeah. You know, talk less back to their parents. Yeah. Like all of that stuff, there's, there's benefits to it. Just like every once in a while, you just want a McDonald's cheeseburger, right? Like, is that what you <laughs> want to live off of? Probably not. Right. But, but it does serve a purpose. Right. And that's, that's how I look at, you know, the big dojo, the, the angry guy, you know, for that one's pretty tough for me because I really, I am vehemently opposed to that viewpoint where for me like i try to operate on the i call it the frequency of love i have it embroidered on my black belt it says frequency of love every time i step on the mat i want to remind myself this is how i want to live i want to live and i want to convey love and obviously that doesn't you know that, that means something to me do you tell that heart. to people as you have them in like a guillotine or something no <laughs> uh, but but in a way yes because i don't I don't drop into submission. Like I very, I shouldn't say very rarely. I could roll with a white belt and sub them five times in a couple minutes, right? Or or more if I wanted to, but I don't. Because to me, we want to both get something out of this role. And if I just, like, I have, I don't know if you know this, but I have like guillotine instructionals out on BJJ Fanatics. And like, I teach for uh, BJJ Globetrotters. So I go around the world and do, uh, seminars and so like <laughs> i could guillotine somebody quite a few times if i wanted to but to me that's not we're not both learning so let's let's get some good motion in let's get you know let's let's do these things that so we can all take in a little bit more information and we can all learn you know and uh so the guy who the guy who thinks he's tough and is an instructor and is just better than his students that one really gets me because I'm so the opposite of it. Or I try to be at least. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like in any industry and in anything, if you have, if you have an instructor like that, it, it's, it's going to poison your experience. And, you know, that, that was one of the things that I, I was worried about because that, that was traumatic for me as a child. And when, when I wanted to start looking at schools, that was one of the first things I did. I started looking at Yelp. I'm like, I want to know who's going to be an asshole to their students. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, you know, everyone I've encountered, I, and it, it, it's just one of those situations where it's like everyone is there for the same reason. 
everyone is there because they, they have their own unique reason for being there and they want to be better. And yeah. it's not something anyone has to say. You just it's know. Culture. Yeah. And, and Ryan and Bob, and like I said, uh, Jorge, you know, all the leaders there in that gym are good dudes that care about your progress. You know, Ryan is excellent at jujitsu, you know, but that's, you know, if he wanted to, he could get to you fucking 10 times in a couple minutes, you know, like, oh, he I, is, mean, uh, I like, like the first, I, I think I told you this before we started recording, like the first time I rolled with him, I was terrified. I'm like, this guy's going to yeah. kill me, but he knows that. And he matched me yeah. level for level and we went a few minutes. Yeah. And then at the end, he was obviously like, okay, time to take you down a notch. But like, you know, like that was when I was like, damn, like this guy actually knows how to teach. Yeah. Like he knows yeah. how to build somebody up. And those are the things, those are the reasons why he has a successful school. Those are the reasons that people keep going to crossover. Those are the reasons that people keep coming to my class or, or find me at gentle art lifestyle or like, you know, it's those things that matter. Right. To me, because we're, I'm trying to build people using the method of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or using the method of my odyssey, my company, right? Like I'm trying to build people, not trying to build myself. I, I'm already surfing that frequency that I want to, that I want to live. So I don't, I don't need to feel tough because I need barred, you know, a white belt, <laughs> whatever. Totally. Totally. Well, Josh, uh, you know, we, we've gone over time a little bit. I've enjoyed this conversation. I know you got to go, uh, please go ahead and plug away everything, you know, your, your websites, everything that you're doing, let people know how they could connect with you after this. Yeah. Um, so my business, my career is my odyssey is the name of the company. M Y O D I S E E. Zoom in on the hat there. I'll make it easy for people. I'll even put the links in the show notes. Hello. No one has excuses. <laughs> uh, yeah, company culture and personal habits. So uh, basically hold people accountable. Um, I have a couple of coaches that uh, work with people personally. And then I work with businesses and leadership teams to get through HR challenges or get through some uh, some people clashes. And then uh, jujitsu-wise, gentleartlifestyle.com. I put on camps here in the area. Um, I teach like, you know, at BJJ Globetrotters, uh, I have instructionals on BJJ Fanatics, um, which, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But realistically, it's all, it's all to one goal and, you know, to acquire wisdom and to share that wisdom with others. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, I mean, I, I probably could have done other things, but I wanted to do this because it was one of those things that, that definitely did intimidate me, but I knew that if I hadn't had done it, even if I had tried it and I had quit, I needed to know I could do it. And now since I've done it and I really do love it and I'm seeing that progression with each class when I'm not screwing up my ankle or getting sick, like, you know, it's, it's been one of those things where I have experienced a degree of happiness that I haven't had in a while. And I think for all the people who have listened to me rant or one thing or another, um, you know, on online or on the show, like the, the only, the, the best time to start doing jujitsu is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if it's not Brazilian jiu-jitsu, find your jiu-jitsu. Chess, playing the piano, running, whatever. Whatever it is that you have wanted to try and just haven't or you used to love and you wanted to get back, just do it. Absolutely. 
Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment across Al Gore's amazing internet and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this show. You know how the stuff works, people. Go ahead and let people know about the fantastic conversations we're having here. And I'll talk to you later in the week. As always, I'm Rem C.W. Martinez. Be safe, be good, good night.